Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this Christmas time, this time of the year when people speak of you and mention you, even if they don't know you. Lord, use, let us use this as an opportunity to spread the gospel, the good news of the truth of your coming and what it means, the potential for every living person to receive eternal life in you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are. Thank you for using me today as a vessel to spread your seed, your word, into the hearts and minds of those who will hear this message. Let it take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Repeat after me. I'm going to grow closer to Jesus today. I'm going to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. He loves me as much as he loves anyone. His promises are true. He is faithful. Amen. Last week we were, we were talking about Elizabeth and Mary as we grow closer, as the day approaches, as we're sort of going along in Scripture to the time laid out for Jesus to arrive to the earth as a baby, a human God baby. have to have the Spirit of God to understand that. But we went into some pretty great detail about that. So there should not be a lack of understanding. Mix it with faith. Amen. We left off at the end of um, where Mary had gone and saw Elizabeth, her relative, who was six months pregnant with John the Baptist. He leapt in his mother's womb when he heard the voice of Mary. Huh? In Luke one thirty-eight, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She told this to Gabriel the angel after he delivered the news of what would happen with her and through her. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Faith response. And that set everything into motion. And the angel departed from her. Everything natural about Mary's birth of Jesus. Everything. Except the seed didn't come from a man. The Holy Spirit placed it in Mary's womb. 1 Peter 2.23 says, God's word is the incorruptible seed. That spora that we talked about, that Greek word spora for seed. Same word where we get the male seed from in this English language. 
Gospel of John really says it best regarding that. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the 14th verse, he says, And the Word was made flesh. So it's not a, a magic bean. Huh? No. The Word, the seed of the Word of God is not... That, it, it, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And it's similar the way that this took place, we talked about, with every miracle or answered prayer in our lives. You see? I want to talk about you and God today. You and God. You and God. It's important that you see it that way, that you take it that personal. We have to become pregnant, if you will, with the word received into the garden of our hearts, the good ground of our heart. That's why we have praise and worship before the minister comes and sows the seed. We're plowing the ground, opening the hearts and minds to receive. You see? It's all about this word. This is Jesus. Cover to cover. Without eyeballs. Amen. So we become impregnated with the word of God. Then it must be nurtured and protected. For a period of time. Are we recognizing a spiritual law at work? A farming principle of seed, time, and then what? Then the birth, the harvest, the actual manifestation of the miracle, the answered prayer, the the manifestation of the word, the promise, the provision of God spoken over us and believed upon by us. You and God and you and God and you. First it takes root in the heart, then it begins to show. Yeah. That's the word growing in us. And believe me, when it's real, it will begin to show signs in your life. Not of religion or rebellion. Not of doing things your own way, not of bitterness and unforgiveness and sin. No, those things 
will begin to just fall away when it's real. Yeah? It usually goes over about like that. (laughs) Then it'll finally birth what we've believed for, though. Miracles happen to those who put their trust in what God has said. Yeah? In the Word. In the promises of God Almighty. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22. Listen and see how the Lord is encouraging us to put priority on His Word and then the beautiful provision that comes from that. He says, My son or daughter, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. And then here we go. For they are life to those who find them and health to the whole body. Wow. God never gives you an instruction unless he's trying to get a blessing to you. Just as in Mary the word became flesh, so it is in us the word we're believing for becomes manifest. But there's seed, time, and harvest. That is a principle. Jesus said, if you do not understand this parable, you won't understand anything about the kingdom of God. That's why it's so important. God looks at the seed. That's why every person born since Adam has been born with a sin nature, a child of Satan, because of the seed that was corrupted in the garden and passed down from generation to generation. You're becoming good farmers now, you see? Mary received the word. Then there were hard times. Remember that. You go trying to live this word out. I look at every one of you, and some I know better than others, and I know I... I have seen and stood with some of you in the midst of persecution for the word. I have prayed and cried over others as I watched you grow in the word and doing things that are hard for a season. For a season. For a season, God has a plan. I mean, look at Mary, Joseph. They, <laughs> I mean, she and Joseph, they walked 90 miles 
just to get to Bethlehem. That may not seem like a lot, but big pregnant and back in the time, I mean, it, there was, it was in the cold and the dark of uh, night and filled with danger and robbers and all kinds of things. They weren't sleeping at the finest hotels along the way. There was no Expedia, Travelocity, Airline Miles. But their faith patiently endured and produced the greatest harvest of an implanted seed of all time. Amen. Amen. Psalm 19.1 says, God speaks to us through his creation. And it repeats it, reiterates it in Romans chapter 1, doesn't it? So, through every sunrise and sunset, the trees... Tavana and I love the ocean, especially the Gulf of Mexico. We grew up on that muddy water, and we love it. And the sun and the rain, the hummingbirds and hawks and eagles and butterflies, the sounds of seagulls and the beach. God's faithfulness and his glory and majesty and greatness are revealed in nature. Every time we see a sunrise and a sunset, I'll never forget that time when I was so desperately seeking God in the early days of my salvation. I was standing at that gas pump in the afternoon and traffic everywhere, so busy. And the sun was just going down and I was looking into that sunset, pumping gas and crying at the same time. Nobody was aware there's so much going on. They're all so busy. And I just said, I'm seeking you, Lord. It's as if someone tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around 180 degrees and there was the most beautiful rainbow from end to end, as if it was just his bow covering me. My wife and I used to call them cow bows because we'd look for them out at the pasture with the cattle sometimes. We always loved the rainbows. But it was just, I knew it was him and me. Me and God. Amen? Amen. Nothing more beautiful. But we miss it when we're too preoccupied. I remember looking around, and when I saw it, I, 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 after I was taken aback and just knew, and, 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 and my, my tears went to joy, and I, I mean, but then I was just like, don't they get, don't they even see what just happened? You know, I was thinking, there's people everywhere, hustling and bustling, you know, but they didn't. We get so preoccupied. Sometimes we need to just slow down a bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Reboot. 
reprioritize maybe a little. Get recentered around God and let Him direct our steps, our lives, our relationships, our everything. He wants to be a part of everything. Just to remind us of His amazing love for us and the unspeakable gift that He gave us in Christ. That's Christmas. No matter how dark things are in one's life, the dawn is always coming for a believer. No matter how hard you labor, a time of rest and refreshing is coming for a believer. No one can snatch you from your Father's hand. No one. Jesus loves you. People can't take that from you. People can't change God's faithfulness and his love for you. He is merciful. He is loving. He is kind. He is compassionate. And I'll let you in on a little secret, you true believers. Your past does not define you. Your pedigree or status in life or Education does not define you. Jesus does. Mary and Joseph were simple people. He was a carpenter. She was a teenage girl living at home with mom and dad. In a little town called Nazareth. A town of around 500 people. Luke 2.24, it says that they went, this was after Jesus had come, and they went to have him circumcised on the eighth day, but they went to the temple to offer a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. It should have been a lamb. But the law allowed this exception if the girl couldn't financially, you know, couldn't provide for the the cost of a lamb. So that tells us something. They weren't wealthy. I know a lot of people think that the wise men showed up the night that he was born and just gave them millions of dollars worth of uh, gold and, and silver and things. And but It wasn't like that. They didn't show up for could have been a year or two or more. <laughs> so Joseph didn't go, oh, wow. Go back and knock on the door of the inn. Hey, we're buying the place. There's room now. Everybody get out. <laughs> no. It was humble beginnings. First Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks on the heart, doesn't he? So Mary and Joseph, they, they weren't famous. They weren't wealthy or powerful in worldly standards. They wouldn't have been chosen by any committee. <laughs> but God entrusted them with the most precious gift ever given to mankind. His only son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. 
I want to talk to you about your prayer life a little bit. You know, God wants to give you, you know, says if you being evil love to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven would give you the Holy Spirit or good gifts to you. So he was talking to me about this yesterday, and I remembered hearing a wonderful minister talk about some things once. said the greatest power given to men and women by God is the power of prayer. Amen? Amen. And, of course, the gift of the Holy Spirit is wonderful. We all love the gifts of the Spirit and we embrace them all here. And prayerfully, we will see the manifestation of all of the gifts here. We certainly welcome them and embrace them and are open for the Holy Spirit to use us at any time in any way. It's the Lord's church. So we love the word of knowledge and the gift of faith and gifts of healing and miracles and prophecy and the word of wisdom and discerning of spirits and speaking in different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and all of those distributed by the Holy Spirit, though, you see, at his discretion and for the glory of God and of Jesus Christ, as it should be. But prayer, prayer is for all believers all the time. Hello. But, like so many wonderful things of God, prayer often goes neglected. Yes, it does. I, people really, I, people don't know how to pray. Don't throw anything at me. I'm just, people don't know how to pray. There are three things necessary. Listen, learn, and obey. Listen, learn, and obey. Without these three things, prayer becomes a farce instead of a force. If people would spend half the time learning to pray as they spend learning to do other things, playing sports, playing a musical instrument, learning a trade, again, nothing wrong with any of those things, of course. But we neglect the one who makes all things better, the Lord God Almighty. If we would spend a fraction of the time learning to pray as we do at other things, there would be end times results. End times results. I was very familiar with a minister who lived in the last century, but he, he 
he knew for a fact that they had changed some the course of World War II in, in, in several points by praying. Prayer is not a luxury or a laundry list of your wants and needs. That should just be the very tail end of your prayer life. Prayer is a life, a lifestyle, a relationship. Hmm? It's a matter of self-sacrifice because that's what's required. It has to do with your time and discipline. Things that we're not, we don't give up so easily because we have a free will. But it it is required, this self-sacrifice. Just as any healthy relationship, you give of yourself to him, speaking of God, and he in turn gives himself to you. And the more you do that, the more you will be drawn to him. That's a fact. Charisma, that, that word comes from charis, was charismatic, but, but that's, that's the word for the Holy Spirit. Irresistible, you see? Something else to consider before you just, or we just spout off our laundry list of requests to the Lord of all creation is our request, is your request in accordance or in agreement with Jesus Christ? With the Word of God. Remember I told you this is Jesus. The Word became flesh. John 14, verses 13 and 14 the Gospel of John 14, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, And whosoever ye shall ask, whatsoever, sorry, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Wow. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay. So it's telling you he's making an assumption there that he's entitled to. Verse 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. <coughs> Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name. Now, his name isn't a magic word a password to the coffers of heaven, right? He's saying he has an expectancy that your prayer is in accordance with his will, his ways, his teachings. Otherwise, and remember this, otherwise your prayer could be very destructive. We don't know everything. 
We don't have all wisdom. In our spirit, we have the mind of Christ. In our spirit, we know all things. But we need the Holy Spirit to help us draw those things out into this soulless realm where we can use them. We need God to show us His perfect wisdom, will, and knowledge. We can't do it apart from Him. He's the vine. We're the branches. Apart from Him, we're just nothing but a dead, dried up stick. Good for the fire. Psalm 37 4 says, Delight thyself in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. This scripture's taken out of context a lot, isn't it? Because what do you hear? The second half. (laughs) The second half. It's what people speak. When I hear people say it, I hear them say, God will give you the desires of your heart. I don't hear them say, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See that doing it that way, just the second part, this, that's, that's wrong. That's where the world gets this term, this ridiculous, stupid saying. Follow your heart. That terminal, that follow your heart has ruined more marriages and lives than any other saying that there is. I hear people say it all the time. People I love, people I know, people I don't know. But I hear it, I see it written, I, see, I hear it all the time. You've got to follow your heart. Can I just tell you Satan wrote that? I'm going to fix this for you, okay? I'm going to tell you when it is proper... The Lord is promising that if you will put him first and foremost in your life, put time and value on the relationship and get to know him and trust him and love him the way he loves you, then he will place his desires in your heart and so your desires will be his desires. Then follow your heart. Just like a healthy marriage, which is hard to find these days, great examples of, wasn't supposed to be that way, supposed to be a picture of Christ and the church. Out give each other, out love each other, out serve each other, make it a contest of love, who can love each other the most, all the way to Jesus, with him in the sitter. 
But just like a healthy marriage, when you pray and play and plan and dream together, then you can have confidence that you are praying according to his and your will. You see? John, 1 John, the epistle of John, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, says, And this is the confidence, circle that word, confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. You see, now, now John's defining it a little bit more for us. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. See, he knew what Jesus meant. Huh? The one that understood that he was loved. Five times in the Bible it says that John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. All five times written by John himself in his own gospel. That's a great revelation to have. There is power and victory in that. That's why I want you to take it so personally. Please. So does he. That's why. That's why he's telling you these things today. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Wow. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And all we have to know is that he heard us and we got it. You want him to hear you? Pray according to his will. Because Jesus is the intercessor between you and the Father. And Jesus is sitting there receiving all the prayers into his basket. (laughs) Here's one, Dad. Here's one. Selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, self-exalting. Here's one, Dad. This one's for somebody else. They actually prayed for someone else. And we know that what they make happen for someone else, you'll make happen for them. Hallelujah. Having confidence in him, trust in him, that's where we want to be, folks. That's the goal. That's the place to live and breathe and enjoy a life of, of peace and love and abundance. Isaiah 26, 3, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. Do you have anyone in your life that you trust? Did that just happen on the day you met them? Or was it earned? Yes. You have to spend time no different than any other relationship, see? The highest compliment to pay to someone is, I have total confidence and trust in you. 
That's the, can you, that's, the, that's, the, that's the nicest thing you can say to someone. I have total confidence and trust in you and mean it. And mean it, not just be a, well, we know people who say things like that probably to everybody. But it's hard to find someone in the world that you can have trust in. But God is, is that person, believe me. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never harm you. He will never harm you. Boy, if we could kill that sacred cow in the church about God putting bad things on people, the world would change overnight. The problem is so many pulpits are teaching the opposite of that today. You can help. You were born for such a time as this. Get the truth out. My job is to raise you up for the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. When you believe and pray from a place of confidence and trust in God, you will see great results in your life. You have to find a way. You have to find a way. See, this is not a this is not a step-by-step program. We can't put God in a box. I've known I, God willing we'll have Audrey back here one day. If we can get her and Fred to come from Florida. She's from France, but she speaks at the conferences and things like that and she's she's a missionary and a, a great evangelist. She has she's uh, had wonderful wonderful ministry of healing and she herself was uh, healed of stage 4 cancer she had bone cancer and healed of that something else happened to her and the way that God had spoken to her to deal with that in faith uh, and and received her healing uh, you know the next time something happened it wasn't the same he didn't tell her to do it. She tried to do the same thing and wasn't getting the results. And asked him why. He said, well, I didn't tell you to do that this time. See what I'm saying? There's no magic formula. It's a relationship. Ask Dad. <laughs> Ask Dad. I never knew my father, but those of you that had a father, you ever ask him one, th- one time about something and say, yeah, or, or tell you this, the next time it's, it's a different answer. Could be the same way. You see what I'm saying? But you have to find a way, a time, a place where you can give yourself completely to the Lord in prayer. And steal your mind. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Again, people stop there. It says, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. In other words, he's reminding us he's God. But be still and know that I am God. One time I was fishing with a a friend of mine, Mark Kelly, he was, a, he was a prosecutor in the district attorney's office at the time, and I worked up there. And 
the courthouse. I was the jury specialist for the county and a deputy district clerk, and we'd fish a lot. We fished a lot. So our office was in Galveston. We had a, you know, we, we had a, <laughs> a lot of opportunities to fish. But one time, um, uh, there were different places you can go. There's sunken things and ships and things, you destinations, right, for good fishing. And there's a place called the Held Bank. It's about 40 miles offshore. And one day, Bruce Fort, who was a great attorney uh, there in uh, Galveston County, uh, he had a big boat and a yacht. And uh, he invited us to go with him and some friends. And we said, well, we're just going to go in Mark's boat. He had a 17-foot Boston whaler. And he said, man, you're not going to take that thing out there. That's dangerous. But, it, but that day, it was as smooth as glass, we used to call it. It's glass today. That means there's not a wave, you know. And he said, man, I don't advise it. But, and we said, well, we're just going to follow you along. He goes, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. So anyway, we get there. and We're messing with him on the way back. We're like flagging them down. Man, we got a serious shortage on board. And he's like, I knew it. I knew it. You're out of gas. And we had extra gas tanks. He said, no, we're out of beer. <laughs> so, it's a long time ago. <laughs> but Bruce loved his boat. And it was a big, beautiful boat. And we were, after we teased them a little bit, we took off again. And we were cruising along beside them. And the wake was going up behind him, and the water was like glass, like I'm talking about. And, you, and I looked over there, and I saw his beautiful boat cruising and the perfect reflection of it in the water. And I took a picture. Back then, it was, you know, the kind of film you had to get developed. And when I had it developed, it was so gorgeous that I went by his office, and I showed him the picture. I said, look at this. It's amazing. It was just like a, a mirror image of his boat. And... And he said, may I have this? I said, absolutely, I brought it for you, you know. And he had a painting done of it, and it, and it's, it was in his law office over his desk for as long as he, as I, I can remember, probably until he passed. It was beautiful. But it's, it's like that, that reflection, like... You ever seen the moon on the water when it's, the water is still like that, the reflection of the moon? So just like the moon can't be reflected on a, a restless sea, neither can God get through to an unquieted mind. In the time we live, there's, there's so much noise and confusion and frustration in the world that it's, it's hard to hear yourself think, much less hear the voice of God. You know what I mean? The problem is, we've gotten so used to it, so used to the noise, that sometimes we're uncomfortable without it. Huh? And believe it or not, this is an unnatural life where you have to have noise all the time. That's an abnormal life. I mean, not according to the world. They encourage it. But I, I'm not a friend of the world. I'm a friend of God. Amen. Most times when I'm alone, I sit in silence with the Lord. 
during the day, unless I'm working or I have other things to do, you know, I have a busy life. I have a lot of hats I wear. But when I can, I'm in, I'm in silence. About a year ago, I learned that uh, they have different backdrops on YouTube, and we have a big screen television, and, and, uh, and I, I love that. I, I put on the backdrops, but I turn the volume all the way down, but I'll have a, just in the background, whether I'm sitting or pacing or praying or whatever I'm doing, I have a fireplace scene or a beach, or this time of year I have Christmas settings, you know. I like that. <laughs> My wife thinks I'm crazy, but but I enjoy it. But no volume. This is how I spend my time with the Lord. I prefer silence. And then I do other things. I walk and I, I go out and spend time in the yard. And I don't play golf or ride Harleys anymore. So I have other things I do to get my mind off of everything. Sometimes, I mean, I believe the Lord expects us to laugh and have good times, you know. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if I wrote Tavana a love letter or she wrote me one, I wouldn't expect us to just go around with that all the time and never speak to anyone else or have a, you know what I mean? But you can't go wrong being here. He's my closest friend. He's my dearest friend. In the natural realm, he's blessed me with a a wonderful wife and family and friends. And sometimes I have to get away from my studies and work and ministry and because it starts to feel like work if I don't. You ever get to that place? And when you get to that place, you can make it into a work. And so God will tell you, go, go play, basically, like a, fa- like a father. Go, go play. You know what I mean? <laughs> go do what's just something you enjoy. You know what I mean? That's when I know I need to get away and do something else. But then he'll speak to me. Late at night, usually, for me. That's just the way I've always sort of been a night owl. I came from that, <laughs> and I guess it just carried over. I've always, in the daytime, I always feel like I'm supposed to be doing something, you know, always. But when it gets quiet at night, I can hear God, and he'll speak. Some people get woken up in the middle of the night to hear God, you know. That's happened, but it's not the norm. He'll usually speak to me at night. A lot of people are early morning people. Jesus was, so that's a good thing. I just, it's not me, you know, for the most part. Now, I do spend my first part with him, you know, thanking him and asking for wisdom and guidance and, you know, all the stuff I feel like we should do. <laughs> just let him know we're his and he's in charge and thankful for another day and 
cast the cares of all the other stuff that's on our mind away and just focus on what's got before us, right? I don't know why I'm telling you all this stuff. Jeremiah 29. We're all familiar with the, the passage of Scripture from 11, right? I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in the future. Saith the Lord, that's good. But he goes on to say, you will call upon me. So there's our part again. You will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. Look at that. An instruction and a promise. You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me. Wow. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Wow. Isn't that something? Now this was a promise he made to the Israelites when they were in bondage in Babylon. But it's good for you today. I'm telling you, no matter how dark it seems, God's got good plans for you. And He's there listening. He's waiting for you. We're never waiting on Him. Sometimes it seems like it. I mean, sometimes for the manifestation, but you just stand in faith and keep that beautiful target of hope that you've given your faith. Keep it alive and well in your mind, in your heart. Keep believing. No other religion in the world, and I hate to call it a religion, but you, you know I'm speaking of Christianity. No other religion in the world offers a Savior who has paid for all their sins. We're so blessed. The burden's always on the worshiper, you see, to earn the acceptance of God. In Christianity, the price of your sins has been paid for by this baby we're discussing this month, this Christ child born of a virgin. The Word of God become flesh. So we aren't talking today about your prayer and surrendering yourself to God so He will accept you. No. It's so you will accept and know Him. That's the truth. And position yourselves to receive all that He wants to give you. Not only here at Christmas time, but all the time. I'm convinced that the overwhelming majority of Christians do not really know God. And He really wants to fix that. And, and it's easily done. Amen? Amen? As we've seen in Mary and Joseph, God isn't looking for ability. He's looking for availability. <laughs> for faithfulness. For faith and trust in Him. Confidence in Him. Mary believed that He would do or accomplish what he said he would do in her. 
as amazing as it sounded at the time. You can't even imagine. There's no way we can imagine. That's why I say the Holy Spirit had to prepare her for that in some ways. But we'll find out at some point. I'll finish up here, but there was a preacher, a great man of God called, named D.L. Moody. You ever heard of him? Dwight Moody? Dwight L. Moody? And when he was a boy, he heard a preacher say, the world has never seen what God can do with one man who is totally yielded to him. He heard this preacher say that, and he thought, by the grace of God, because that's needed, I will be that man. That was his commitment. His heart's desire. And this uneducated young man went on to shake up three whole continents with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, you can too. God chose two simple, ordinary, good people to bring his son into the world. He certainly has great plans for you as well. This Christmas, give God the greatest gift you have, yourself. And watch what he does with you. Amen? Amen. Do you trust him today? Yes. You know he loves you? Yes. Me too. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for sharing your truth with us today. Thank you for helping us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, of your will and your ways and about our prayer lives and our relationship with you and how you would like things to be and for teaching us how to, to go about that. We love you for it, Lord. We know it's all because you are trying so desperately to get all the good things to us and through us that you have for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you did give us your son, Jesus Christ, to come and redeem us. Thank you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Help us to go out and share Jesus to share the implanted word of Jesus Christ with others to a sick and dying world this Christmas. Amen. Amen. Amen.